This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 586 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by ProStride. On this week's USDF episode, we have Marketing Director Ross Creech to tell us all about the virtual convention being held this year. Then we will be joined by Horse Radio Network Auditor April, who talks about evacuation planning, as well as helping us review our book club book, Brain Training for Riders by Andrea Waldo. And as a special treat, our total saddle fit tip will be brought to you by Casey Perry Glass. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rock Island, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi there, Phil. How are you? Well, I missed you last week. I know. <laughs> I mean, we always we do. I and actually, I I, I didn't take the night off. Uh, I did a, a very fun um, lecture to the Kentucky Dressage Association Youth Club, and we talked about the pyramid of training. So I missed you, but I still did. I still worked and did a little did a little event on Thursday I, night. I was doing a horse show. Yeah. How yeah, was it? Nice to get out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, a little cold in the mornings. Oh, my God. But uh, we had a little frost overnight, but the days it were sunny and warmed up, and it was so beautiful, and the horses went well, and everything was good. And Yeah, you rocked it. Can't complain. It was your grand opening and grand closing of 2020. Yeah, all at the same time. You know? You're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I wish I could do that again. Or, you know? Right, so, right. Horses performed admirably, having not been out yet. Um, sure. I had... Let's put it this way. I had six tests with two horses and four 70s. Yeah. And he's not going to let it. I should let you live that down, right? We have a 70. <laughs> we have a 70% poke club here on, on Dressage Radio Show. Yeah, so the first, the first day, uh, <laughs> two horses showed third level test one and each of them scored 70%. And, and I actually sent the test to Reese. So they've got this <laughs> cool did. new system. This yes. Is cool. Uh, corona, a positive thing about Corona. There's not much, and I really don't like Corona. But uh, <laughs> the horse show decided to go to full online entries and full yeah. online results. Yeah. So 15 minutes after doing my test, I had the test in my email inbox. I know. Yeah. Cool, huh? It's so cool, and and they've been doing that here at our horse shows too, and. Um, I feel it's not that I don't love you. I should have sent you my tests, but it is so cool. Cause then the owners can see it. Your coaches can see it. It's like super, it's super cool. So, yeah, and, and the judge still writes on it. They use a stylus on an iPad and, uh, mm -hmm. and so you get all your marks and your comments and, and you don't have to go anywhere, you know, trudge up to the, to the markers booth or whatever, you know, wherever you have to go for your test normally. And you just, you get it. You're right there. You're happy or, or, you know, I was happy, but you could be sad depending on. Yeah. Or whatever. And, well, but uh, sometimes, yeah, you, you leave the horse show early, right? Or, or they don't have the test. And you, you like you said, you don't want to trudge. Some of our horse shows, the office is pretty far from the stable. Yeah. And people don't get their tests. And then it's like, well, what are we going to work on next week? So I am so glad it, I'm glad it went well. And you took young horses too. This was kind of their first outing, wasn't it? 
They're pretty gr- green. No, no. Actually, oh, okay. this is uh, this is a horse I've 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 been riding and okay, did some showing before. Yeah. So I mean, there's okay. I, I took three seven year olds basically. Yeah. I, okay. I wrote two and 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 somebody wrote another one. So that's a yeah, best sorry. age. Yeah, yeah, best age. They're super fun age. at that yeah, age. Yeah. age. And, and third level is my favorite level. So I decided that everybody was. Third level is your favorite level, really? Yeah. Okay. I, Pre St. George is my favorite level. I really like. Oh, it's too much stuff. It's too much stuff. Oh, I, I like the stuff. Yeah. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we had a lot of fun and we really, you know, appreciate the organizers for jumping through all the hoops they had to do to be able to hold that show with, you know, um, satisfying public health. And I think they did a wonderful job. And it was, it was so good. Yeah. That's, that, that's all I got to say about that, I guess. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, I'm so glad you got out that that was good and made the, made something good happen this year. That's fantastic. And good luck to everybody who's off to their regionals, uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think there was one region last week, region two and maybe eight, uh, and region fours this weekend, I know. So good luck to everybody uh, on their journey to regionals, uh, grand opening, grand closing of the year. Uh, so we wish you luck. Well, we are going to have a commercial break from ProStride and come back with Ross Creech with our USDF update. ProStride is the all-natural solution for lameness. It uses the power of your horse's own blood to relieve pain, reduce inflammation and improve mobility to keep them sound. ProStride can be completed stallside in just 20 minutes. Forget the hassle of trailering. Trusted by veterinarians, ProStride is backed by science and proven by years of success stories. Everyone from Olympians to pleasure riders depend on the improved performance and lasting results reported with a single injection. No series, no daily supplements and no monthly regimen. Just get back to doing what you love. When every stride counts, demand the difference they deserve. Ask your vet about ProStride. Learn more at ProStride.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Ross Creech. He is the marketing director at USDF. Ross, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are really happy to have you because you have some really great information. As we all know, the world is a little bit different place right now. And uh, it was announced that convention, the USDF convention, was going to be virtual. So can you kind of explain what's going on? <laughs> I will try my best. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's been a, bit, a little bit of a learning curve for all of us. I mean, I think putting on a virtual event like this for even the most experienced event planners is a little bit daunting. But So we've had to learn as we go, but it, it's really presented some new opportunities. What, we're, what we've tried to do this year is try to move some of the things that are more pre-qualified attendance or closed kind of out of that traditional convention time frame. So what we're looking at is for our convention week, everything is basically open to everyone during that time frame this year, which is something new, you know, as as a frequent convention attendee yourself, I know we have many closed meetings and things like that. And it, sometimes it's hard for people, especially new attendees, to juggle that and figure out where they belong and things. So it's really allowed us to make we're trying to make this a convention experience because it is open to everybody members at no cost and they will have to register but they'll be able to attend and so we wanted to make sure we could really fill their day and give them things that are compelling and really show the passion of our attendees about the sport and the organization so uh, we're really excited about that Um, we're able to offer some additional education that we haven't in the past and 
So it should be a really fun week. Oh, fantastic. So, so basically I'm sure there'll be tons of emails that go out. You will need to register, but you don't have to pay the fee for, con- for the actual convention. Correct. USDF members will be able to register for free. There's no convention fee. Um, I'm high-fiving. I'm high-fiving someone right now, like super excited. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, and, and we encourage people to come who really, you know, either can't or are unable to make the trip to come to a regular convention, can't get away from work or whatever, you know, we're really trying to shift it to where people can make it part of their week without having to give up their work or their time with their horse or anything. So we've tried to condense it a little, keep it in the same time frame, but make make each thing a little more quality and a little more appealing to the mass membership because, you know, we we want people to get more involved in the convention and USDF's governance and things. And I think this is a great way to expose them to it. So basically the convention will be on Zoom or how will that work? What do you need to make the convention sort of run? Uh, it will be, uh, Zoom will be pr- our primary uh, service that we use. It actually incorporates with our event registration software. They uh, they have developed something that works together. And um, with our, our IT people and things have been working diligently to get everything uh, set up. But yes, it will be a Zoom login. Um, once people register through our online portal, they will be able to manage kind of their week, manage their calendar within that dashboard. And so they will have all the links and all the downloads that they need for whatever they're attending throughout the week. And will be able to kind of pick and choose and manage their time throughout the week to make sure they're not missing anything. We're still trying to nail down the final details and schedule, of course, but it's looking like we're going to be able to offer most things without any conflicting things. So in theory, during the actual convention week, people should be able to attend, if not every session, almost every single session that they want to without any conflict, which is exciting. That's really exciting because you're right. Like you're running between meetings or maybe you can be one and they have to go to another. So that's awesome. That's really cool. So how about the board of governors? This is a big one because that's <laughs> yeah, I, asking for a friend and myself. Like, how is that going to work? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's not going to be um, honestly that much different, uh, except for the fact that we're going to be sitting in front of our laptops. Um, it, it's still going to be broken into two days. Most likely, it will be Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. The two sessions of the bog. Um, our IT people are working right now to develop an online portal for voting, which hopefully will be able to use, be used going forward, but where delegates and things will be able to check in online on their phone or laptop, cast their votes in live time with results in live time. Cool. That sounds awesome. The Board of Governors is, is, is typically a very, it's a long one, isn't it, Ross? It's a very long it, meeting. It, is. it, it used <laughs> to be uh, one solid day, and we did yeah. finally break it up into a couple sessions. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's very long and very informative, sometimes very lively. Uh, <laughs> true, true. It, it's really where you where attendees can really see where where we steer the organization and where you know where we kind of map out the future because that's where committee proposals are coming through to get approved. And, you know, we're, it, it's really, it really does give a lot of insight. Um, you know, the, maybe the first time attendee wouldn't have 
as much interest, but they would certainly pick up a lot of information by attending. And, you know, those of us who have been to many conventions know that, you know, even for its, you know, sometimes quieter moments, the the ball (laughs) definitely stays interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I love it. Well, fantastic. So uh, when is this information going to be available to our members? Uh, We're going to begin disseminating information as it becomes more available as we nail down the details. Um, I would say within the next week or so, you'll start seeing some information. I encourage everybody to follow us on our social media channels and on yourdressage.org. We'll be posting, you know, some teasers of our education presenters and some of the things we're doing. Um, one, one other thing that we've really focused on this year uh, that's always been very popular at the convention are our panel discussions and open forums as opposed to just standard committee meetings. So we've tried to incorporate incorporate a lot more of those because those are the things that really get discussion going amongst the different factions, you know, because the councils can, each of our three councils consist of our, our committees all fall onto one of three councils. And so having panel discussions with them, with those committee chairs, it really gives another opportunity for the attendees to hear the different, differing points of view from the different factions within the membership and and really make a more informed decision when they go uh, to the blog to vote on these things. So I think that that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Excellent. Well, very cool. Well, Ross, we were going to ask you to if we can have you back maybe in November so you can kind of tell us the kind of the final details and who the speakers will be and how we register. And, and we'll go through that again, because it is going to be uh, it, it's going to be a new new way, but a very interesting format. I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. Yes, I'd love to. And, you know, we're still, the convention, even though it's going to be very different, is still going to have a a lot of those things that make the convention special every year. You know, we're still going to be honoring our 2020 class of inductees into the Remmer Foundation, USDF Hall of Fame, Dr. Hillary Clayton, Gary Rockwell, and Verdades, uh, our 2020 USDF Volunteer of the Year, Gene Krause, our GMO Award winners, our year-end award winners, um, our Rider Award winners, our All Briefs, you know, all those things are going to be incorporated. Uh, some of the details still have to be worked out, but people are, it's going to be new, but I think people are really going to appreciate it and still, still have that convention feel that, you know, gives everybody the warm and fuzzies right there at the beginning right. of December every year. So. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, thanks so much, Ross. And we're looking forward to an update when more information becomes available as well. Absolutely. And like I said, just keep following us. We'll be putting out information as quickly as we can. Um, like I said, we're nailing down some of those final details. So more and more will be coming out here in the next few weeks. Love it. Thanks, Ross. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you all for having me. Well, right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with one of our Horse Radio Network auditors, April Shapiro, and she's going to start her interview off talking about her experience in the wildfires out west. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. 
Well, tonight we are so happy to have one of the Horse Radio Network auditors and fans of the show, and she also is fantastic, April Shapiro. She is a CHA Certified Equine Facility Manager. She's going to go through our, our book club of the month here in a few minutes, but April, you have actually been through quite a, quite adventure is the wrong word, but you've been through quite an experience. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you've been going through? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So recently, as I think probably everyone in the country has learned that the entire West Coast has been experiencing wildfires of a magnitude that we have not seen in many years, including the state of Oregon and Washington. Many people are familiar with the fact that the state of California has these quite regularly, essentially almost every summer now. But Oregon and Washington typically does not have wildfires of of this magnitude this close to civilization. We have a lot of natural areas that these fires regularly burn through, and it's not really a big deal. It's kind of how the forest is managed. But this year, we had quite a few, which are actually still, many of them are still burning, come quite close to small towns. Several small towns were completely flattened. And the largest of the fires, the Riverside Fire, um, actually came quite close to the city of Portland, which is where I live, um, just outside of the city limits. So yeah, we have experienced several days of preparing for evacuation, hoping that it wouldn't happen, and then ultimately receiving that evacuation warning where we evacuated our whole farm. Wow. So does the evacuation order come from the sheriff's department? How do you know? Because again, I'm not from a wildfire area. I don't know anything about it. That's why we were so happy to have you on so you could explain the process and what happens. Um, Kind of walk us through, because again, we don't have wildfires in Kentucky. Yes, I'm so glad that you don't. And so yeah, me too. it's something that we've kind of <laughs> we've kind of witnessed from afar. So it was it was much different experience of actually going through it. But essentially the way that it works is yeah, so the the sheriff's sheriff's department and the local fire departments kind of all work as one entity and issue uh, a level 1, level 2 or level 3 evacuation order. A level 1 is essentially just kind of to be aware. A level two is to be ready, and a level three is to go now. What they recommend, however, in, if, you're, if you're in a level two and you have livestock on your property, because it can be a quite a lengthy process, the recommendation is to evacuate the premise at a level two. So we had prepared to do that. Our entire county, which is Clackamas County, I think it's about 18, a little over 1,800 square miles. So it's it's pretty large. I think we have the largest number of horses per capita in the entire state of Oregon. So if you can imagine, there was there were a lot of people evacuating all at once, essentially. So it was quite chaotic once we hit the road. There were a lot of trailers on the road. There were a lot of vehicles on the road. It took us about... I don't know, an hour, maybe an hour and a half to go about 10 miles just to get onto the highway. So it was very interesting. I think that we had a pretty good plan in place for our farm. We have about 40 horses here, but we had enough trucks and trailers set up in advance with a couple of volunteers ready to go. And we were able to move everyone essentially in you know a matter of just a couple of hours. So we were really fortunate in that sense. I think probably 
the the most nerve-wracking part was that there were about 500,000 Oregonians under evacuation at that point. And so many of the sites, the evacuation sites were full, were, were filling up quickly, especially ones that were you know, we're willing and able to take on, you know, 40 additional horses. So, but we got lucky. The state vets in Washington and Oregon waived health certificates and Coggins for both states temporarily because they declared a state of emergency. And we were able to evacuate to the Clark County Fairgrounds in Ridgefield, Washington, which gladly took us. And they only accepted large barns. So we were able to get in there with just a couple of other big barns. And we hunkered down for five days. We were there. I stayed on site with our barn manager and trainer, and we were able to care for the horses there just like we did at home. We got really lucky getting in there, so we feel super fortunate. And I just want to know how, how you were able to get enough hay or provisions, you know, feed, and, and is that just due to really good pre-planning and organization? Yes, it was. We had planned to take all of our own. We we really wanted to keep our herd on their normal routine as much as possible. Obviously, there was no turnout, which they're used to, you know, 12 plus hours a day of turnout. However, we were we were able to keep their their feed schedule um, completely on track. We were able to get enough hay. So we were about we were about an hour away from home. So it was possible to come back if we needed to. But we were able to transport enough hay there. There was enough storage and plenty of grain for the five days. However, I will say the most amazing part of the entire process was the amount of volunteers and donations that continued to show up at the fairgrounds. I mean, tons and tons of hay. It was to the point where we were turning away hay and trying to reallocate resources to other, you know, other evacuation sites because the surrounding communities were just pouring in all of the support. And it was really incredible. Had we not shown up at that fairgrounds with a drop of hay or a bag of grain, we would have been completely fine, which wow. is really it's insane lovely. to think yeah. about. That's but amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. With 40 I'm, horses, I can't. I'm, yeah, I'm still trying to kind of process all of that. But yeah, wow. it was super. A lot of the local 4-H groups showed up to help clean stalls and hand walk Aww. horses. It was, it was really, it was really touching. It was, it was, yeah, it was kind of amazing. That's awesome. So, so tell us your planning ahead of time. I'm sure, I mean, this just didn't happen. You were, you, you seemed very organized and you knew what was going on. So <laughs> how did you do that? Like for somebody that's maybe hasn't, hasn't dealt with this or moved to the area or maybe didn't have the right plan. How did, how did you make this plan? Yeah, I would, yeah, it was not something that we ever thought that would actually happen to us. So, you know, we, of course, had kind of a lightweight evacuation plan on the back burner, as I think most facilities do for, you know, unknown natural disaster, but to to be faced with the, the real possibility. The nice thing was that we did have, you know, a couple of days to, to really get together and hash it out again. Our owner, our, our, excuse me, our barn manager and myself had actually assisted an evacuation of a, a rescue several days prior. So we kind of had like almost a dry run, not that that was our intention at the time, but so we assisted evacuating a few horses for a local rescue. And when we came home, we we kind of sat down and were like, okay, well, this is a very real possibility that we might find ourselves in here in the next couple of days and really hashed out some details. So we 
we knew that we were going to have to probably have a couple of volunteers that weren't familiar with our facility or our horses or our owners. We knew that we had owners that didn't own their own rigs and wouldn't be able to be present. So those were some of the details we really uh, focused on. We tried to make a plan as far as which horses were would be the easiest to load and to get them off the property first, get them to safety as quickly as possible. We made contact lists. We made sure that we had contacts I went with the first load of horses, so I was off site of the farm. I was the first one on the fairground, so I was able to direct the drivers as they were coming in, and I was able to get the stall set up. We had driver cards where we had my contact information, the barn manager's contact information, the address of the evacuation site, directions to the evacuation site. And then we were able to just hand fill in the horses that we loaded onto their trailer. So as soon as they pulled into the fairgrounds, they handed me this driver card. I knew exactly what horses they had. I was able to unload them, take any equipment they brought with them, you know, find the horses to their stalls and send them on their way. So we had a pretty good system ready to go. I think that's probably the most important because obviously things came up, horses that hadn't hadn't trailered for a long time. We have a lot of retired horses. We, you know, we have a lot of border horses that just, you know, are kind of pasture ornaments. We, we've never loaded before. These aren't horses that are in training that, you know, travel to shows. So we had no idea how they would be. So we kind of saved those horses for last. And of course there, there were a couple, you know, that were a little bit more difficult, but ultimately the system that we had built worked pretty well. And the majority of the horses were off the property, I would say probably within two and a half hours, pretty quickly. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And any other things that that people can do ahead of time or some resources that if they're trying to work on their plan that that you know of that they could contact? Um, Yeah, absolutely. I know, I think the one thing that I really was thinking about is that a lot of boarding contracts, at least in my experience, um, don't really contain a lot of information pertaining to evacuation as far as who's responsible and um, not particularly our barn, but other other horse owners that I spoke to in this area, a lot of them said, oh, my barn owner called and said, we're under evacuation, come get your horse. And, you know, this individual is at work or, you know, hour away from, from their horse, or maybe their home is also under evacuation. So then at that point, they have to prioritize, like, do they go move their horse or do they save their house? Um, or they don't own a truck and trailer. And, you know, in this situation, most trucks and trailers were already occupied, you know, evacuating other animals. So I would definitely recommend if you're a, a barn owner, adding adding something to your boarding contract, um, specifying who's responsible in that situation. If you're a boarder, making clear whose responsibility it is. You know, I think that's something that we take for granted in areas where we don't often have to deal with it, but it is a very real possibility, not something that we'll be looking into definitely a lot farther going forward. But in this situation, we we took responsibility. We were able to move every horse under our care, but that was very obviously not the case um, for a lot of a lot of other people in this area. So I would definitely just recommend that people moving forward think about this being a possibility in the summertime here or wherever they live on the West Coast, because unfortunately, it may, it may be our reality each summer. So just as an update, you're you're back home now. What, what's your situation? We are. We are extremely fortunate. The fire was only a couple of miles away as the crow flies from our property, which 
seems impossible if you were to look at a map because we were so close to Portland. It just doesn't seem that that a wildfire could ever potentially come this close. But we we were really fortunate. They were able to contain it. We had a couple of days of extreme wind, and th- that essentially was why the evacuation was ordered, because the fire was so unpredictable at that point. There was zero containment, and there were multiple fires that they were concerned that would eventually merge and would just be out of control. So, We were evacuated for five days, and then once the evacuation order was reduced back to a level one, that was when we decided to come home. At that point, we felt confident that we were out of the direct path of the fire. The fire had been contained not by much, but by a, a few percent, and we felt pretty comfortable coming home. So we, yeah, we are moved back in. We're fortunate enough to have not lost any any property, no property damage. We were super lucky. All of our horses traveled really well. We're super healthy and calm during the whole process. We didn't have any have any health issues or any injuries, which is really incredible considering, you know, the nature of the whole process. But yeah, we really lucked out unlike some people, but we feel very grateful. Well, April, thank you so much for sharing, you know, the experience for all of us and explaining what happens and and some ways that you can, you know, that you can be prepared if this were to happen. So we're actually going to go to a quick commercial break and come back with April and talk about our book club of the month, Brain Training for Riders. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, we are so lucky that April Shapiro stayed on the show to talk to us about our book club of the month. April, thanks for staying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if you love this book as much as Phil and I did, but we love this book. How do, what was your thoughts? I love this book. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love I love the book so much that I listened to it multiple times on audio and then I also bought the Kindle version. We so did that's, too. That's uh, three <laughs> for three. Yeah, three for I, three. We did too. We listened to it. Phil and I, we kept texting. We're like, this is a great book. And then Phil goes, I, I, I just ordered it. And I was like, I did too. So I got actually the hard copy. And yeah, I, I truly like, I like the hard copy of book. That's mm-hmm. my pre- preferred uh, way of reading. And, you know, I, I, you know, just, you know, to be able to maybe um, photocopy a section for a student or something like that, use it in, in my day-to-day teaching and training. So I'm like, I got to have this book. It's such a great resource. Um, so April, why don't, you, why don't you tell us why it's, why you thought it was so good? Well, I think that it's really obvious that the author has a, such a profound perspective on sports psychology as a professional writer and as a, a trained therapist. I think that she just offers a really unique look at the whole picture, which I think I, I, I'm a fan of sports psychology as a writer, but I think that a lot of it gets lost in translation because most sports aren't dealing with a, you know, a live animal as their, you know, as their partner in sports. So um, it, it can be a little hit or miss with, you know, normal sports psychology, but she just has, she just has such a, an amazing 
understanding of the entire thing um, and her perspective as a writer and also as a counselor. So I thought it was really, really interesting. And her her tone of voice in the in the audiobook, um, it's it's like listening to like a trusted coach or friend, you know, give advice. It's just such an easy listen. Um, you know, when it was finished, I was like, wait, this it can't be over yet. Like there has to be more. Like it, I, I just loved it so much. No, I think it's true. You know, I think the audiobook has been great. And I've recommended that to several people. Could just driving to the barn or I actually drive a lot to different barns to go teach. Uh, so it's the same. I would put her on or I'd put her on her night check when I was in the barn for 10 or 15 minutes and just kind of listen to where I'm like, I want to listen again. You know, she is, is. So that's the great part of the audiobook. So we chose the audiobook uh, this time because we've never done an audiobook for the book club. Uh, but I will tell you, I'm like, Phil, you know, what's so nice from the coaching perspective is having sort of the the print version to print out. And and I have a favorite chapter, but I was wondering if you had a favorite chapter. Oh, my favorite chapter. Um, I think that my favorite chapter probably was, oh gosh, I don't know what chapter it was, but I can tell you it was, um, she referenced, let's see, the, there was a couple of exercises that I really loved. And I know they were all part of the same chapter. I think it's the uh, relaxation and focused calm um, section um, where she talks about, um, the delete, delete, delete exercise. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorites. Um, and she, it's kind of just like bringing, you know, bringing it's, it's kind of like meditation for equestrians, almost (laughs) a two minute meditation, like make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and set your timer for two minutes. And in those two minutes, um, you know, notice every thought that, that pops into your mind that isn't related to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is essentially how you, you teach yourself to meditate. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so I thought that was really interesting. Um, but the delete exercise, I think that works in any aspect of your life. Anytime you have a, a a distracting thought or a ruminating thought, especially in writing though, just to say delete afterwards. And it's kind of like a reset button. And it's something that we use every day when we're texting or emailing. And it seems so, it seems overly simple, almost impossible to actually work, but it works so well. And I use it outside of writing all the time. I thought that was really great. Yeah. I think my, my favorite chapter was when she talked about having the right horse. I really enjoyed that chapter. I I wasn't expecting that. Me either. (laughs) I don't think Phil was either, but yeah, there was some unexpected, I thought it was kind of like bonus material, you know, Mm -hmm. um, after the, after the brain training, the mental training was just talking about um, how to determine whether you have the appropriate horse or how, you know, she even talked about how to look for the most appropriate horse when you're buying a horse. Again, not expecting all of that bonus stuff. And all of a sudden there was just more great material to, you know, to think about, you know, for myself and also for when I'm giving advice to people about, because we do that a lot. um, Yeah to people who are riding maybe an inappropriate horse and how to help them understand why it's inappropriate and, and not as a failure as a, uh, of a rider, but as a, this is not the right time in your life for a certain horse, or you're not in your right ed- educational moment for this horse to be, to be good for you. All, all kinds of that great stuff, because, you know, as problem solvers and trainers, we, we come across these things all the time and, and it's really difficult to communicate 
um, why a great horse is not a great horse for you or, you know, why, you know, when you're buying a horse or you're looking at horses like, oh, that's a fantastic horse, but not a fantastic horse for you at this moment or, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of great advice like that, that I wish I had 10 years ago to help people, yeah, help people too. with their, with their animals. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, and an, she experienced that kind of firsthand with a, a horse that she brought up essentially. So I hearing it from her perspective as as the, the, the horse owner. And then also as, as a trainer, um, I think again, what's really interesting, I think her perspective, um, you know, kind of, kind of covers the whole spectrum. Um, but I agree. I think we don't think about how the dynamic between the horse and rider impacts the confidence. So, so much and, you know, putting a rider on, you know, a schoolmaster or, you know, uh, maybe a, a more experienced horse can can be just the most confidence building thing to ever do. Um, but we you know, of course, we all fall in love with what I think she calls them the vampire horse, um, <laughs> the one that <laughs> the one that kind of uh, you know drains our energy and um, you know, but it's stunningly beautiful. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's unfortunately all too common. <laughs> Happens yeah. to the best of us. No, it's true. I'm sure you guys deal with that much more as trainers. All the time. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm I'm like all the time, but, but this is nice because I think she does a really good job explaining sort of why you need appropriate horses. And, and, and I was actually going through when I was listening to this book, I was in the process of selling the horses for, for various reasons. It wasn't the right horse for the right situation. And, um, you know, my sister who, who is a, is an amateur rider, but she is very, very good rider. You know, she had a horse, for example, that, um, it's just, it was a lovely horse and she's a really good rider, but she also is a full-time, you know, she works full-time. She's a full-time mom and you know, it's, it didn't work. So, uh, that was good. I actually kind of, I sent her the copy and I said, just read this. This is good. So, um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So were there any other parts of the book that you would recommend to everybody or just besides the overall book? I mean, I think that it had, I think every part of the book is so valuable and I, I really enjoy the fact that it's, really relevant to, I think, any equestrian, whether they're just a recreational rider or a competitive rider or, you know, even a trainer, like you said, you, you both obviously, um, found it to be very valuable. So, um, which I think is, is kind of difficult to do in a book and it's not, it's not necessarily a lengthy book. So I think, um, the, it's a really, packed full of, of information. And it's something that I have already, you know, shared with several people and will continue to do so. Um, you know, I think that the main focus is just kind of bringing into our awareness some of these issues that we don't necessarily think about and kind of normalizing it a little bit, um, you know, making us realize that we're not alone in having these thoughts or feelings that everyone has them. There's nothing wrong with us for having these thoughts and feelings. Um, and which I think is, a, is really a big deal. I think once we realize that most writers, especially professional writers ha- still have anxiety, you know, still have these, 
stressful moments, um, but just learning how to um, deal with them and cope with them is really is the skill. It's not that you'll ever not have them because they'll always be there. I mean, that's really how we're hardwired as humans. Um, we know that horses are, you know, flight animals, but we don't really think about the human brain as having, a, you know, a flight response, um, w- which it does. And she briefly kind of explains the the psychology behind it, I think, really well in layman's terms, um, you know, that's easy to digest in the beginning of the book, um, but builds off of that. And um, I just think it's a really great read for for anyone practicing any discipline, especially dressage. I love the part where she focuses on the perfectionism. Um, and I think that's really relevant in the dressage world. Um, but yeah, I think I would recommend I would recommend the book to just about anyone. And I personally love, I read a lot of, or listen to, excuse me, a lot of audiobooks because I muck a lot of stalls and um, it's just something I love to do if I run out of podcasts, which rarely happens, but I, I listen to, I mean, probably at least a few audiobooks a week. Yeah, I was going to say we kind of wanted to do an an audio book because we thought, you know, with our, with our listeners of our show, they would, they would soak that up and that would be a preferred method of, Oh yeah, of, uh, I loved it. Of reading, uh, as it were. So, um, I I yeah. wasn't expecting to enjoy it so much that I would purchase it. Also, but um, I absolutely did, and I have no regrets about that. I will continue to, um, to continue to reference it for a long time. I think. So we we want to thank you so much for for being an auditor, and because you're an auditor, um, this is how you kind of. Won, won, won the book. So can you talk, talk to us yes. a little bit about that auditor program and, and why you joined maybe and, and, and why you uh, in, enjoy being connected to the Horse Radio Network community in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been an auditor for about, I think about four years now, actually. Um, I've been a listener for about six years. I don't know what took me so long exactly. Um, I guess I, I just mm-hmm was a little hesitant in the beginning. Um, I wish I had had done it sooner because it is, uh, oh, I can tell you why. I actually wasn't on Facebook when I started listening. <laughs> so there, there I remember <laughs> I rejoined, I rejoined Facebook because of Horse Radio Network. <laughs> so that was why I, that I actually just dawned on me. I was thinking what took me so long. So yeah, I've been an auditor for about four years and oh, I just absolutely love it. I have made so many connections um, across the country, around the world. I mean, I've been introduced to so many products and I mean, honestly, I think I met, um, I think how I actually found the job that I currently have was through an auditor. Um, so I think, I mean, it's just, it's such an amazing group. Yeah. Which (laughs) I actually hadn't thought about that either. Um, it's just the most supportive, wonderful group of people. Um, I mean, it's, I know it's hard to imagine a Facebook group being, you know, being that impactful, but it's so much more than that. It's, it really is a community um, of just the most dedicated, amazing horse people, amateurs, professionals, anything that you could possibly, anything you've ever wanted to ask or wondered about is, you know, it's an open book there. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's such a great, it's a great thing. Sometimes I'm, I'm really blown away at how, how a, a podcast has been able to bring, 
you know, bring so many people together. Um, I think people outside of the horse community can't really understand it. Um, but those of us that are involved obviously know. Um, but I would recommend any listeners um, that are interested. I, but I think it's $3 a month um, to, to join now. Um, it's, it's money very, very well spent. I will it's, say that. it's pretty cool. Yeah. We, we've seen it grow and expand and, um, you know, when Glenn first introduced the idea, we just thought, oh, that, that'd be great. You know, 10 people would join and we, we could yeah. talk to them and whatever. <laughs> and then, and then it, it got out of control kind of quickly. And, and, um, you know, I started getting like hundreds of notices and just different conversations. So I had to actually turn it off. But for sure, oh you know, drop, I drop in there and read, read what's going on. And yeah, Definitely. It, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, thank Aww. you so much for being an auditor and also being a book club and sharing your experience with us tonight. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, Phil, not going to lie. I just ordered another pair of stability stirrup leathers. <laughs> I, uh, you know, yeah. you're saying that, but I had an, a, a new set um put on the saddle so I'm, i show other people's horses yeah actually quite a bit because i don't own, I, I actually don't own a horse i know at, it's at actually moment. brilliant it's brilliant at, at the moment uh, think, yeah if meredith had the end of that you know yes it's, but um my my wife leases a really nice horse and i ride other people's horses to try and make some money so i, yeah. I feel like it's uh, <laughs> so you can pay like for not spending yeah not spending on other horses. <laughs> anyways i I had my client order the stability stirrup leathers for the saddle that I wanted to be showing in because I want every yes. advantage <laughs> that I could get in the show ring. Yep. Yes, it's true. I have them on all my sta- saddles now. It's so, the same. And, and, I, and I got uh, two, two Rider 8s on, on that, in that saddle with those yes. stirrup leathers. So Justin gets maybe a, a 0.5 sent his way as, as, a, you know, as a thanks or something like that. So really, really appreciate, you know, his innovative products and, and the great, all the great products that they have at totalsaddlefit.com. Absolutely. So thank you, Justin. And everybody check out your Stability Stirrup Leathers. They are fantastic. Well, Phil, we've got a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week with Olympian Casey Perry Glass, and we hope everybody enjoys it. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief curve at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Casey Perry Glass. She stayed on the program for a Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. She was the bronze medalist from the Rio 2016 Olympic Games and silver team medalist at the WEG in 2018. Casey, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks. I'm excited. We are so excited to have you for our tip of the week. What do you have for us? What's your tip for us? Uh, My tip, I would say, is something that I also struggle with, um, something I'm going through right now. Um, It would be just to be as patient as possible with your horses during um, any season of growth or, or setback or feeling left behind or feeling like you're not achieving enough. Um, I believe in my heart that these horses are trying um, the hardest and every horse excels at a different pace. And I think that it's really important not to look at the standard of where your horse should be and let your horse grow on its own. Um, I have a eight-year-old horse right now who I'm working with who 
is still struggling with getting one side of one one side of a lead change. And I'm feeling that feeling of she's never gonna get it. I'm never, you know, she's gonna be a permanent second level horse. And and I I've had to take a step back and say, you know what? I'm just gonna take as much time as I can with her on small exercises at the walk, um, really suppling her in the half pass leg heels. Uh, shoulder in, haunches in, and um, just really focusing on the basics with her. And the change will come. It's just a matter of me being patient and not rushing it and not getting frustrated um, and and making sure that I'm setting her up for success and um, and letting her develop on her own time. So, yeah. Stay patient. I, it will stay happen. patient. Yeah. I, 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 really, I yeah. really love this tip. And, it, you know, you have to... In this business and in training and, and working away, you have to have uh, an unbelievable amount of, of self-confidence yeah. um, and also have people that are helping you that are positive about your progress. And then yeah. if you are running into a training issue, don't just do that issue every day. I'm sure you don't take this yeah. horse out and go, I'm going to do the left change no matter what and just drill, 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 drill. What I liked about yeah. what you said, which is just so important, is work on the other things and then come back on it, like check on it. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, it's not really great yet or, you know, whatever. And then go back, just get, work on other stuff. Cause you would not believe how even just, uh, walk pirouettes for instance, is just, you know, yeah. off the top of my head, help to balance yeah. the horse and get them prepared and better in the canter. It's like the less you work on it, the better it gets. Yeah. You know, once you get to yeah, a certain I, point, I, right? I mean, as far as a rider, if you're learning to do a movement and your horse is confirmed in, in the changes, for instance, I'm just using this as an example, but you know, if your horse if your horse is confirmed in the changes and you're you need to work on it, then go ahead and work on it, right? Um, but also for yourself, don't just drill one movement and say, Oh, I've got to get this because I can't move forward without this. You say, Well, how much cause it, could a canter half pass help your balance and help your assessment of the horse's uh, of the horse's balance or, or the suppleness or the bending. I mean, so much of the things that we're training affect the other things that we're maybe not training on a specific day. So this is where it just variety of work, variety of exercises, go away from it for a while. If you're getting frustrated, go away from it for a while, like a month, you know, and then come back to it. Yeah, I, you wouldn't believe I how totally much that agree. works. I totally yeah. agree. And I, th and I think that, um, I think that we underestimate the value of doing all of these things at the walk, you know, and like really doing our warm up correctly in the walk and saying, you know, being picky about the bend and being picky about the, um, suppleness and the relaxation and everything at the walk, you know, it's like, once you start to get that, you can start, cause everything starts coming a lot faster, trot, canner, you know? And so yeah. it's like, you really have to solidify the stuff at the walk and then you'll be surprised with how how much more they'll be able to comprehend it when things get a little bit faster. Um, and so just being super diligent about that. And and don't you guys think, I mean, we're all trainers. We've all, we've all done it ourselves too, where you just, or I have a couple of students, they'll just train it and train it and train it. And it's the, you're training bad. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's not working. You did it one or two times. It's still not working on, Try number 10, you are now just training something badly and you're yeah. not making, you know what I'm saying? 
No, yeah, just, and I also think I think that comes a lot with the 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 coach, whoever's helping them on the ground, to be a little bit more careful of that also, right? Yeah. So, like if, yeah. if they keep going on and on and on, and you're you keep yelling the same thing, you're like, okay, yeah. let's walk and take a breath, and let's yeah. practice the movement at the walk, get the feeling in the walk, and then move forward. You know, and so it's not you don't get into that repetitive pattern. Um, of just doing it over and over and, you know, you being yelled at and your trainer getting frustrated, you know? Yeah. So, everybody gets um, frustrated. The, horse, you know, the horses yeah. do too, right? Like everyone's frustrated. Yeah. So just to take a breath or, or maybe just to come at it a different way through a walk yeah. through it, through a half pass, it's the horse really moving off your leg correctly. You know, all these little things, yeah. huge, huge difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think what what people need in these in these frustrating times is just a bit of an aha moment, and mm-hmm. um, doing it over and over is not going to you know you need to read something or watch a video or I mean there's such just so many resources out there that can help yeah. you to gain perspective and uh, and help you access yeah. them. They're, you know, internet stuff. I mean, there's a lot out there, and it doesn't cost a ton of money or just yeah. You know, Ask your friend, you know, who is also a rider or, you know, conversations with your coach to help you unlock, um, you know, the, the mental block that's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a huge visual learner, like huge visual learner. And um, I sitting at the, um, the warm up ring, at a lot of these big events, I got to pick out the people that I love to watch. And, um, like I would pick out Dorothy Schneider or, um, you know, people like that where I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's how I want to ride. That's what I want to, like, I can feel what she's feeling on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then when I would, I would have my best warm ups and my best rides at shows because I'm such a visual learner. I'm like, I can be, I can translate what it's supposed to feel and look like. Um, so knowing how you learn too, is a big, is a big thing. Like you said, there's so many tools out there that you can use and, and illustrations and videos and magazines and articles and podcasts and like things like that. Um, so knowledge is, is gold. Well, for well sure. podcasts for sure. Right. Yes, of course. Talk to Phil and I, that's what we're here <laughs> for. I mean, for sure. we all ramble. Like we just talked about, I ramble a lot and I'm like, <laughs> I, sometimes someone could be listening and be like, Oh my gosh, like that makes total sense. But you know, you just yeah. never know. So Yeah, no, it's so true. It's very true. And 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 I hope everybody realizes it's normal. You have three trainers on here and we're all saying, Oh yeah, this totally happens. <laughs> you just sometimes don't talk about it. So I mean, Yeah, and true. there are days, I would have to say there are days where I've 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 had two or three consecutive days where I've gotten into a fog or not a fog, but like a, a zone where I'm like, I am training that movement. So it does happen. Like you, yeah. you go through that, like it's in the personality. Of, yeah. It's in the yeah. personality kind of thing. Yeah. You go through that and you're like, wow, I really worked on that three days in a row and I got absolutely nowhere. So, yeah, you know, nowhere. It, it, it made it worse. It yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just now, now going back to the drawing board to make sure it doesn't happen again. And right. Yeah, but. yeah. We've all had days. Maybe we're like, well, we'll take that one back. But you know, that's <laughs> normal. And I'm sure the horses are like, as oh, she's way off today. Like, I'm sure yeah. they have the same thing. They're like, we're trying, but she's having a bad day. But it's yeah, true. But sure. it's all it's all part of it's all part of it. Well, Casey, thank you so much for your tip. And if our listeners have any questions, how can they find you online? 
Um, you can go to my Instagram, Casey Perry Glass, um, or find me on Facebook. And both of those social media sites have my um, email address and also my webpage. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Casey. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Well, Phil, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Everybody keep them coming. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show this week. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. 